0: The following show... It is time for Streetwise
1: with former chief of the New York City Sheriff's Department, former chief of the Seagate Police Department, retired New York City detective, Time Warner Public Access Media Award, Joe Franklin Super Excellence in Broadcasting Memory Lane Award, New York Veteran Police Association Streetwise Productions, host of Streetwise, Mr. Lou Tavano. Yeah,
2: it's it's all cyclical.
0: Uh, It it is. And there's also a little... uh, common denominator as, as you say there's a Filipino heritage backna- background yeah. between all of us
2: that's right that's right my father's Filipino American and I guess you you have some heritage as well or yes
0: pretty much yes and that's what the discussion with my late wife your uh, your dad the uh, Mike Tahibi just want you to know a lot of us in my age bracket pretty much uh, familiar with Mike Tahibi a great uh, international reporter author uh, as well now your book. Uh, obviously, you saw sort the. Of, uh, oh, by the way, I, I do have to do this, and it just happened today. We want to pay uh, our condolences to Erica Gardner, the daughter of Eric Gardner, who passed away. I think it was today, right, uh, Matt? This yeah, this morning? morning
2: at about nine nine twenty or so.
0: Yeah, she's a young young lady, twenty seven years old. She died of a heart attack. So, uh, it's uh, anyway. Uh, your book, in your book, you pretty much lean towards. Uh, uh, I, I guess that uh, Eric was like an. Innocent the following guy, show is an encore and, presentation. No, I, I, I didn't. Like, yeah. I didn't.
2: I didn't say that exactly. No. no, no I, not exactly.
0: Yeah. Correct. Not exactly.
2: No. I, I. I mean. I think if Eric Garner were here today, I think he would pretty freely admit that what he was doing was illegal, and and uh, um, that's how he made his money. Uh, he was a very flawed person. Uh, even his. Even his family um spoke of him that way and in fact when i told told members of his family that i was going to write a a book about him um you know they pretty much everybody that i talked to him was insistent that you know i not try to paint him as some kind of sort of false saint he was a likable guy uh in the way that a lot of flawed people are yes um but that doesn't mean that he didn't have some pretty serious problems he you know he he was a crack dealer in his youth he had um at least one crime of violence on his sheet um, and uh and in, uh, until he was pretty old, uh, until you know, until, until pretty late in life, I should say. Excuse me. Um, he his priorities were not were not so great, uh, and it w- it just so happened that you know by the time that this happened to him when he was forty three years old, he was really he had he had undergone a lot of changes in his life, and yes, he was selling untaxed cigarettes, but he. he there are a lot of people in that neighborhood who are a lot scarier than Eric Garner, I, I, and you know, I have, you. I guess, I, I guess you're familiar with the neighborhood as well. Uh, he, he certainly wasn't the worst character out there, for sure.
0: Oh, no, uh, for sure. Uh, I had, the cases I had in Staten Island, because I was in a major case, were mm-hmm. pretty much uh, homicides, so or rape, kidnapping, and. Uh, uh, you know muggings, of, especially of senior citizens. So it was not my. Uh, I wouldn't even be. I couldn't care if somebody was selling untaxed cigarettes or right, unlicensed. That wasn't even, and not it wouldn't be in the interest of mine. Uh, but I, I was concerned because y- y- you know, I, as you know, my background is law enforcement. And what I, yeah, but I, what I've noticed is that uh, at, prior to being walking a beat in, in Brooklyn. I I worked in jail, so I was a New York City correction officer. And you mentioned late in life. That is late in life for a lot of criminals in their 40s. But what happens is sort of a kind of late in life to look back and say, oh my God, what did I do? You know, a lot of these guys in their 40s, they've been, you know, not Eric, uh, I don't think him, but many of them, from my experience, are stealing pocketbooks and mugging people at 14 years old. Uh, There's no record of that because of the family court confidentiality. So we only know what they've done since they're 16. In Eric's case, he did have 30 prior arrests, and then they get tied like anyone else does Any any job. His job, you know... uh, his job was doing what he did that was the only way he knew how to make a living but i did understand the family was on food stamps and welfare and i i guess the term they used free free stuff also as well so he wasn't the poor hard working guy uh i think he got ill like most new criminals do they do in later life because they abuse themselves you know well and- no
2: he he had asthma from when he was a child which as you probably know yes. african-american children are about twice as likely to have asthma um and he he always had it uh it wasn't wasn't through any fault of his own he had it back when he was a uh an athlete mm. uh in his teens um it got progressively worse as he got older and of course the lifestyle doesn't help i mean he's sitting out there you know uh-huh. rain or shine you know it's freezing up on that hill and if you're sitting out there selling 50 cent cigarettes one at a time uh every single day of your life of course you're going to end up with all kinds of health problems um you know but you know I, I i i do think we have a disagreement here i think i think eric garner every time he 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 tried to go to the straight and narrow he just didn't have a whole lot of options he you know he he went to a uh, a city-approved program that paid him, I guess, sixty dollars every two weeks to mm. to clean median strips and things like that. But mm. you know, he he didn't have any luck getting square jobs. He tried and tried and tried, and just and it didn't happen. In fact, he couldn't even get a job selling drugs at the mm. end. Uh, and that's 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 when he turned to selling untaxed cigarettes. Um, because he had literally no other options and his family had, they were on food stamps and welfare right. and, and pa- in part because he wasn't there for uh, a significant period of time and a lot of his kids were in care as well. So, um, you know, it's, it's, like, as I said, he's not a perfect person and he he had a lot of problems, but uh, he was, he was far from the, from the, uh,
0: the least, sp- least
2: sympathetic person on the in that block and yeah. I, I met everybody out there
0: but you, you know you know what happens I just want to uh you, you know when you're a police officer you know truthfully you don't you don't really you, you, that's really not your focus but of they course. were they were ordered there I, I don't know by the way the uh the uh mayor the mayor of city of new york uh de blasio uh he's the one that Pretty much ordered the police to be there On, on that strip I, You probably know that In other words They were getting a lot of complaints From the storekeepers And there was some worry That because of his size He was intimidating So people were afraid So the storekeepers I know because I spoke to them, I did a show on this They were His presence They would lose business By him standing in front of the door Intimidating people He didn't have to say a word You know, you know He walked and talked I have to say this uh, A certain way which would, would, uh, would scare senior citizens Or weaker people or men in general So they, they, made, they were making a lot of calls To the 120, 122 in Staten Island And they put pressure on the cops You've got to go down there and get rid of these these uh, people not only are they taking business away from the stores, they're intimidating uh, customers. They they didn't just happen to drive by and say, "Let's go pick on this big guy," you know. They were ordered there. It was a, a unit that they were against. But you have to do your job.
2: Well, I completely agree with you, and I wrote, and this is one of the things that I wrote in the book. But th- this is this is where we have a, a paradox, right? Because right. yes, um, Eric Garner that that morning and i and i pieced together a, like a minute by minute timeline of what mm. happened that day um he first of all wasn't feeling well second of all he had a little bit of a an issue on the street because people thought he had snitched on someone the night before um so he had a couple of conversations about that uh then he wasn't well and went into a bathroom for a couple of hours and came out broke up a fight hmm. and what you're what you say about this unit being ordered to be there um, seems to be true from from the statements that the that the city put out later that they they directed officers to go and address quote address specific conditions in the neighborhood but the problem was he wasn't selling cigarettes at that time so you know that that's why when you watch the tape, you see him and in, he's incredulous because he doesn't he doesn't understand why he's being picked up at that time mm. and um and i you know I talked to other officers who would tell me and you you can tell me if this is true or not too that if you're if you come into the precinct in the morning and you have a superior officer tells you to go to a corner and pick up some pick up some guy they saw on the way in. You can't just tell them to move around the corner. You got to get a number, right? You got to get, got to make an arrest, do something. Uh, and for a lot of the people that I talked to, that was their explanation for what happened: is that these two guys felt like the only solution that they had was to, was to make an arrest um, because they had been ordered to do so. And but there's a problem there because was the guy committing a crime or not? I mean, you know. So so that that was that was how I saw that incident which was just a, to me an un- a very very unfortunate series of misunderstandings that just escalated very quickly into into a deadly situation
0: right you, you know you just you, I, I agree with you you know sometimes you have to you have to show uh, your know, commanding officer and you have to show a uh, city hall uh, you know you get you're getting some results. You're right. It's uh, a lot of cops will not tell you this. I can say it. I can say it. It's like giving out summonses. Uh, there's no there's no order how many summonses to give out. But you do have to give out summonses. There's no uh, directive how many arrests you have to make, but there is, but they do want to see uh, arrest activity, especially if they have a, a condition. The problem here is that Eric has a lot of experience interacting with, with police, and he knows. If, they, if an officer tells you, stay here, you don't walk away. If an officer says, uh, show me some identification, you have to make an attempt to either identify yourself, but if an officer says you're, you're under arrest, you cannot resist, you know. You can't walk away. That's where the problem. That's where. Well, if
2: you talk to any lawyer, and I talk to a lot of them, correct this book, they'll tell you that there has to be a crime for the arrest to be legitimate.
0: Absolutely, you got probable no. cause. You got to have probable cause. The probable cause was, and I hate to say, what you just said it before: illegal cigarettes. That's the crime. Whether we like it or not, the cops don't like it. So they had have to have arrested for some. You're selling illegal cigarettes.
2: Yeah, but was he? But the the the, the question, yes. the the million dollar question here, the, right. Lord, the six million dollar question, as it turned out,
3: right. is
2: is was he selling illegal cigarettes at that time? I couldn't find anybody who said that he was, and I and I talked to people, shop owners, right, uh, people on the street, witnesses, people who didn't like him, people from rival crews. I couldn't find anybody who said that he was actually. He was leaning up against the wall, catching his breath after breaking up a fight right uh when when the arrest took place and most of it you can see it's captured on on the video um, you know he he that it's one of the reasons he reacted that way uh and so you know there's there's a question in my mind now a week beforehand there had been a similar incident where he had been approached uh in a check cashing Uh, storefront and had had been told he was under arrest and he also refused to go at that time now that this is according to people on the street Mm -hmm. and from what i hear he was actually selling cigarettes at that time um so maybe this was you know a continuation of that incident i don't know but but uh but from the from for that particular day there's no question that eric garner sold untaxed cigarettes for a living, that's what he did.
0: Not a big deal,
3: but go ahead.
2: But but it's just a question of was he doing it at that moment? And that meant a lot. That that question does mean a lot to the people in that neighborhood.
0: Yeah, you know, Matt Sahibi. Here's the thing: politics is always involved, no matter what we say. Sure. Uh, okay. Uh, if you're a police officer, you don't have a job to have to complain. So the best thing for you would say, "All right, you can't sell cigarettes. Yeah, just move on and take off." That's what probably happened at the check cashing place. But this particular incident, they had to show results because it was the mayor's directive to the uh, Staten Island commanding officers. And, sure. Uh, okay. Do you feel there was anything racial involved in this incident? Well. Yes.
2: <laughs> I would say sure, yeah. Okay. I mean, I you know, I, I, think, I think if you have uh, right. a 350-pound white guy who's sitting on a corner not doing anything. And, would you write
0: a book on that if that were the case, if it was a 350-pound white guy? Would you do a story on it?
2: Would I write a book about it exactly. probably like it, not there be there'd be fewer issues involved okay. I mean okay. uh, you know the 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 whole question of of you know broken windows policing the the um, what happened in this in this situation what what how the the accumulation of incidents across the country why people why people are so upset about them. It's you know, it, it, would it be of interest to a journalist if there was just mm-hmm. a, a random incident that that involved a, a a person who was very much like Eric Garner except he his wife? Probably right. not. I probably mean, not. I'll be I'll, I'll be honest with you. you know, yeah. No, probably not.
0: Yeah, it wouldn't be. Yeah, it wouldn't be. But the th- history
2: wouldn't be there either. So no, for, I understand
0: that. I yeah. completely understand that. Uh, but you know this. Do you know who the uh, uh, when some people say it's racist, if you see the whole tape, I don't think, you, you know, what, what the uh, media does is they show you what they want to show you. I'm, I'm sure you know this. The initial part of the tape is uh, you see a directive by a sergeant Telling them to lock him up Did you see that part uh, That part of the tape Matt
2: he Yeah you mean, you, you mean Kizzy
0: He black She's a black female
2: Yeah Kizzy Adonis Yeah
0: I, That's right So she's your boss She tells you lock him up What do you do Say I, I can't lock him up boss? Right But she's he's...
2: not the person Who actually gave the directive I mean the directive No no
0: I understand that Of course it caught from upstairs As they yeah. say We know But she's there on the scene And she's your sergeant and, Right And you know uh, Keep in mind I, as a retired uh, detective and uh, a former chief of police, if I get stopped from a police officer, he says, you're under arrest with disorderly conduct. I do not walk away. I stay there. You know, sure. So he didn't do that. But you that.
2: probably haven't been stopped 50 times in your life either. <laughs> you know oh, what I'm saying? Oh, I,
0: I get stopped like anyone else. I mean, I, I speed and I get pulled over like anyone else. You know, I, I probably, I have to admit, I probably get extended the courtesy, you know. Uh, I, I do have to admit that, you know, like I extended courtesies when when I, you know, grabbed them, uh, actually a law-abiding citizen or a uh, another police officer, he, uh, yes, but people that, like, if, you, if you're going to say, but, all right, so what's your explanation that was a black female uh, boss or supervisor at the scene?
2: Well, okay, she's she's at the scene, but, but I, I think it's I think it's abundantly clear, and and this is is borne out in the city's own statements that she's not the person who sent that crew there that, that day. Oh, absolutely, um, absolutely. And whether it was something that happened at Comstat, um, because that's something I heard as well uh, that. There have been complaints about that neighborhood. There's also another theory that I heard from another cop in that neighborhood. There were actually two guys in that in that strip named Eric who sold cigarettes. One of them had a constant beef with one of the store owners, mm. and there had been a complaint by him that day. Um, so maybe that was what what happened. But the most common explanation I heard for what happened that day was that there was that somebody had uh, from the precinct had gotten yelled at. In a Comstat meeting mm-hmm. um, about that particular neighborhood, and had been ordered to go clean it up. And um, you know, as as you know, those orders m- make their way down the chain, and somebody got sent to the to the neighborhood to go to go make that arrest. But again, the pro- the problem is the guy just wasn't doing it at that time, as far as I can tell. I mean, you know, and and he's if you If you spend a lot of time in that neighborhood, you'll see they're there out there there are guys out there every single day who are selling crack heroin Correct. um and everybody knows who they are and that's that's another part of the story that's that's that uh that is up is us just say it's upsetting to the people in that neighborhood like of all the people they picked um they picked the guy who was you know involved in a sub misdemeanor activity but I but I but I agree with you I you know I, I that's one of the reasons why I didn't focus so much on on the individual officers in the book because to me it it, it has a lot more to do with um, you know the, the police are very often forced to uh, to do to execute policies that are dumped on them by politicians be who just don't want to deal with the problems themselves and I think that's that's probably what happened in this case.
0: Well, that played a big role. No, two uh, no ways about it. But I, I just I do have to say this: was uh, on my show because uh, we, we uh, obviously I talked about it, and uh, the people I disagree with with you that it's racial. Uh, I think you said you do believe there's a it plays there's a racial uh, part involved in this. But I, I think that's what you said. Now, people I disagree with you. Uh, I'm going to mention that Elvira King, the niece of uh, Martin Luther King, or grand niece, uh Sheriff David Clark, uh, Burgess Owen, Kevin Jackson, uh, even Oliver Stone, but he's a white guy, and Janine Pirro. But uh, a lot of uh, guests who are on my show, high profile, are well known, uh, people like you, uh, they sort of uh, disagree that it was a, a racial incident. Which most people want to uh, Black Lives Matter Groups like that Try to create it And make it a racial issue. Like you mentioned before Your dad was Did interview uh, In the Tawana Brawley case This is another case that it, it turns into a racial thing And Which is ridiculous uh, You know But if you are a police officer uh, If you are a police officer uh, uh, Matt Tahibi And you And you try to arrest somebody he says F you, and walks away. I mean, what would you? What would you do?
2: Well, but here's the thing, though. I haven't been like I've I've lived in New York City since 2001. Mm -hmm. I've lived in cities my whole life. Um, I've never once been stopped. Never once been put up against the wall. Never once had my pockets had somebody go through my pockets. Mm -hmm. Never once been pulled over for no reason. Uh, Never Mm -hmm. once had my car searched. Um I haven't stopped for speeding, but I was actually speeding at those times. Mm-hmm. Um, if you talk to young black males in New York City, pretty much all of them have a story uh, or a dozen stories about being stopped for things like having a highlighter in their pocket or you know for uh, or just doing a, just being stopped for you know a two fifty is for a stop and frisk. That's never happened to me. I mean, it just doesn't happen in white neighborhoods. So it's hard, it's hard for me to say um, how I would respond right. if, if it was the 20th or 30th time I've been stopped. And, you know, uh, I, I just, it's, it's hard for me to answer that question. Oh,
0: okay, but a person like Eric Gardner, he can answer that question because he's he's uh, he's very experienced dealing with the police in, in the city of New York. And he knows. I, I'm, I have to believe, I mean, I'm... I'm Obviously, uh, I, I think uh, it's very sad that, that, that he died. There's no two ways about that. You know, but, again, there's a couple of elements of that. Uh, the police have no clue if you, if you have diabetes, high blood pressure, you know, or things of that, that nature when they try to arrest you. If they tell you you're under arrest, you have to comply. And what you're saying, if someone asked me many years ago, in fact, uh, a couple of nieces came in, on the Filipino side, by the way, and they went mm-hmm. to they went to Berkeley, uh, Matt, and we were sitting down. They came to visit the family, and they said, "Uncle Lou, why is it you cops? Again, I hate that word. Only lock up black people. She didn't say African American because she didn't use that uh, cliche at that time. So I said, to her, you know something, sweetheart, I really tried, but working, uh, but I couldn't find any Polish people in Brownsville. <laughs> You know, or Harlem. Uh, it depends where you work. If it's a high crime area, obviously you're going to, you're going no matter, uh, you're going to lock up.
2: Well, Just, I guarantee you, know, you, if you start, if you start pulling people off the street down in Wall Street and going through in suitcases and pockets, you're going to find plenty of coke, H, and ecstasy. I believe that. Yeah, and and those people aren't going to jail, and and that that's but but getting back to the question, of Eric Garner. Right. The I one of the ironies of the whole thing is that Eric Garner was was a guy who had a rep for not giving lips to the police. In fact, he he was one of the people who would meekly go to the station. He thought of it as, as, as a business transaction. Mm-hmm. He had repeatedly gone over and over and over again. His attitude started to change when he felt like when he felt like the 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 attitude of the police started to change toward him he kept he started to get pulled over when he wasn't working he started to get his money vouchered when he was on his way to the laundromat uh he thought that the game you know the 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 unwritten rules of the game were being violated and you you can agree or disagree with him about that but this is a guy who, until he was forty-three years old, had never had never given any lip to the police at right, all. Right. Uh, and then suddenly he does one day, and okay, it's not maybe not the right thing to do, but you know, I, I think there there were probably other ways to deal with that solution that that situation.
0: Well, I can I can tell you this: uh, I've worked in very rarely I worked in the, right. in the, a white white area. To be honest with you, but we we did stop. White guys and white people And if they give you a tough time Let me tell you something You give them a tough time And you lock them up as, as well There's no difference It depends the, the, the problem is In the areas that 75th precinct, 73rd precinct Using Brooklyn as, as an example It's a high crime area And it happens to be Predominantly African American So who are you going to Who are you going to lock up there In, in 75th precinct itself uh, 73rd, predominantly housing projects had the highest uh, uh, stats for homicide and shootings and all of uh, not only all of New York and all of the country at what time at one time so who are you going to stop in those the crime is the crime is more prevalent in uh, by the way in African American areas it? oh of course, Wait, of what, course. What,
2: what do the stats say about, about illegal drug use in New York City oh well, drug
0: is another story I, we both we can talk about that all day and I probably agree with you I'm talking about muggings purse thatching, rapes robberies homicides and shootings that's what my thing was I was a Homicide That's right. Yeah, you, I you, couldn't you, you, care about uh, somebody smoking a joint on the corner. To be honest with you, you know? right?
2: And I'm in, I'm in agreement. Look, I, I think you and I are basically in agreement about a lot of things. I, I I my my quibble almost entirely in the book is with the the policy of going after the minor criminal uh, over go, going after people jumping turnstiles, riding right. riding their bicycles the wrong way down the sidewalk, open container violations. Um, you know, the, the uh, and then it's, then for nonviolent drug crimes, okay. uh, you know, we had a there was an incident where uh, a judge named Noah Deere, I don't know if you've ever heard of that guy. Of that guy, but he was giving a ticket out for an open container violation, and he mm-hmm. said, "You know, I've never never done giving one of these to a white guy before." Um, and it's not like white people don't drink out in the street. I'm sure you've been around on SantaCon. It's just. It's, I, it's it's that stuff that I think where I think the problem is. I I have no no problem with with being as hard and, and tough on the law and order side as you want when it's when it comes to rapes, muggings, murders, and and serious crimes. It's the it's the policy that they instituted in the early nineties where they targeted the minor criminal. Where that's when the inequities came in, and that and 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 the statistics bore bear that out, you know, and 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 that's what Eric Garner was. He was a minor criminal by that
0: time. Oh, I think so, but you know, we're actually talking about the broken window policy, which was the uh, quality of life change uh, under Rudy Giuliani. But you know, I have to talk about that because I was the uh, I was the, at that time I was the chief of the C J police department, and then I went on to be chief of the New York City Sheriff's department, so I was working with my boss, Danny, as the mayor. And I can tell you this, jumping the turnstile, obviously uh, it's a minor crime, but you know what happens? I can give you the stats on that. 80% of people that are arrested in those years for jumping the turnstile, either had open warrants, either had guns on them or had drugs on them. They were just not poor kids or poor people that couldn't afford to, to pay for the uh, the subway ride. They, were, they had a purpose, so that was the reason of the turnstile. 80, to, 80% of
2: them had guns, drugs, or warrants?
0: Absolutely, or open warrants or open cases, or their intentions were to mug people. 80% during that time. How to have open cases? Well, I don't know how open? you can know
2: what their intentions were. I mean... Oh, obviously, you know.
0: I, I, I know that we're going to say that, but as a detective, uh, you, we, uh, like you said, you talk to lawyers, they're going to say the same thing, what were, the, what were their intentions. But when you talk to them, one of them will tell you, well, we were going to, go, we were going to mug somebody. They will tell you that, by the way, you know, mm-hmm. they, and, and, and you do get that, and you do get that dialogue from them. So... But but that was was the reason Yeah I I know There was a reason for that With the uh, Jumping the turnstile
2: I mean I I, I know where you're coming from And I heard that From a lot of police officers But I also heard You know Lots and lots of stories About just Young black men who were on their way home from school and found themselves being thrown up against the wall, or or, had, or having their their book bags open and dumped on the ground, and they cops would be driving away before they even got up off the sidewalk. I <laughs> got
0: okay. I, I may create you. T- I may sort of uh, lean toward that. But do you think all those cops were white?
2: No, but that doesn't make a difference. I mean, it's it, 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 it. This is when this is where we get back to the question of why do people uh, ultimately, maybe twenty years down the road, resist? It might it might be a lifetime of stuff like this. You know, I mean, who knows? Uh, 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 you, you you hear you hear a lot of stories. I mean, I heard a lot of stories from people in places like. Uh, like Stapleton um, and Park Hill, you know, really, really tough places. West, where, West where
0: people, Brighton, West Brighton, sure.
2: Uh, t- tough, mm-hmm. tough neighborhoods where yeah. people where, where 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 the residents themselves were scared of the drug dealers. Who, when they first heard about Stop and Frisk, were were glad about it. Who thought that, that they, their lives would be safer because of it, and they ended up being very embittered uh, by it because they they themselves ended up being. Um, uh or at least in their telling they 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 ended up being targeted and and so I you know, like this isn't my normal beat. I didn't. I've covered criminal justice my whole life. I've mostly covered Wall Street until, mm. until pretty recently. Um, but, uh, but you know, you go with the preponderance of what of what the interviews tell you. And I, I kept hearing the same story over and over again mm-hmm. from you know, from from people in these neighborhoods who 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 particularly had problems with that with that particular policy, that stop and frisk, broken window style policy. Which, which uh, you
3: know, you know,
2: there was a drop in the crime rate, and some criminologists t- talk about maybe th- th- that was the reason why. Um, but there are other officers who didn't who didn't like it. You know, I'm sure you must have talked to, to police officers who don't want to be busting people for riding the wrong way down the sidewalk and, or jumping turnstiles and that sort of thing either. So, um, you know, I I I, I heard. From the people on the street, almost universal disdain for those policies, and from from police officers, you know most of them I would say were okay with it, but there were there were a few dissenters too. There were there were some people who didn't like it, and uh, I'm sure you must hear from those.
0: No, absolutely, I I, 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 I have. Now I can tell you this is that. Uh if you're a police officer in those days, New York City Transit Police, which is New York City part uh, of the New York City Police, in 1995, they they would tell you this. And from my experience working in conjunction with some of the detectives in the Transit, uh, if someone is going to work and they legitimately cannot afford, uh, for whatever reason, to pay for the uh, subway, the cops would tell them, "We'll let them go." All, the only reason why they'd be arrested is, for I mentioned them a minute ago, they would have contraband on them, or they would have an open warrant. And, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, or, uh, that would be the reason. I could tell you, you, you don't get the stats on how many people were cut loose that walked through those sliding or open doors years ago and the an officer, I just don't have the money. And if the legitimate people, right, the cops will let them go. They don't want to waste their time locking some, someone up for fair beat. That's ridiculous. It's a waste of your time and energy, fair beat. What you lock them up for is the, the crimes that go along with it. The the drugs on them, the gun on them. The, the, and maybe if hammer, you know, uh, but, I, yeah. but I, but I
2: did, you know, I found case after case where people were locked up for yeah. obstructing government administration, obstructing pedestrian traffic, mm-hmm. you know, different parts of the disorderly well, conduct Matt, law. And Matt, do you
0: want to you want to hang in there? I got to take a break. Do you want to hang in there for a few more minutes? Maybe take sure. a call. Would you do that? Sure. Okay, thank you, uh, Matt Tahibi, my guest. Great book. I can't breathe to your chokeholds out in Iowa. Well, I'll be right back. Hang in there. This is WGBB AM
1: 1240 and W240DFFM 95.9 Freeport, New
3: York. What do I cherish? Precious moments. Watching Dad read to my little Eric. That's why I'm so grateful I insisted on an eye exam when I noticed him struggling with the words on the page. We found out Dad has age-related macular degeneration, or AMD. Fortunately, the doctor caught it in time for treatment, so Dad can still read. Protect yourself and your loved ones. Call the Foundation Fighting Blindness today at 1-800-BLINDNESS for a free packet on preventing and managing AMD. The cure is insight.
0: I'm back. Uh, this is uh, Lou Tolano, and I'm back with an interesting uh, guest. Uh, his book is by a great book, and uh, you, know, you have to buy it. He's wrote several uh, best-selling books, uh, but this particular book is uh, Killing on Bay Street. That's Staten Island. That's the uh, the chokehold case that uh, y- you know where the police seem to. Uh, uh, Chokeholds uh, Every god That's selling You know uh, Illegal cigarettes I hate when they say that Because I never Locked anybody up For less than a, a, I guess a person That's You know Anyway uh, uh, I uh, Mike uh, Matt Sorry Matt Tahiby, uh I have to, I just got a text message uh, uh To ask you this Question sure. And, and uh, I just stopped to call in So they may call in But anyway The the question is that If everyone uh, Jumped the turnstile uh you know, how can we afford that?
2: Well, I don't, I don't I don't know that <laughs> no. question is a little bit above my pay grade but okay. I I I have, I have to say that uh, you know for for a previous book that I wrote that was really about you know because I spent years and years and years writing about guys who who stole you know Tens of millions, or even hundreds of millions of dollars in Wall Street scams, and never saw the inside of a courtroom. Um, And so, to try to look at who did go to jail in this country, I spent a lot of time in uh, in courtrooms and misdemeanor courts and watch person after person pay hundred dollar fines for things like riding their bikes the wrong way down the sidewalk or obstructing pedestrian traffic or mm. things like that. Um, I, I get the idea that, yeah, of course, if you see a crime being committed, if you see somebody jumping a turnstile, but the statistics bear out that the overwhelming majority of these the people who are being busted for quality of life offenses are, are, are African-American Americans. Mm-hmm. African or Hispanic in a city that's okay. more than half white. So, uh, before you know.
0: I, I have an answer. I got somebody on the phone, phone uh, from Arizona, by the way. Uh, what was that? Was that Tom? Tom from Arizona. Yes. You're on the line, Tom.
3: Okay. Thank you.
0: Yes. Your question or no yes. statement?
3: I'm I'm listening uh, online, so I guess I'm I'm on the wrong time here. Um, I I, I just want to say, I I live in Arizona now, and I'm a former law enforcement officer. I grew up in Red Hook, Brooklyn, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and um, I'm listening to to this show, and and, uh, it's kind of of bittersweet because uh, I think it was tragic that, that that man died that day, and I think it was tragic that Police officers had to be involved in it, and uh, I think it all comes back to uh, policy. And to say that uh, the mayor ordered ordered that, and uh, mm-hmm. I, I think that um, having grown up in, in a very low income area, uh, red hookers—they tore it down to build the swamp, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, but it, but it was uh, they, what was my experience as a law enforcement officer. Uh, having grown up in in, in that environment uh, helped me uh, to to uh, to relate to people and uh, to I mean there's nothing I think more traumatic uh, to anyone than to be, to be told you're under arrest and and I think that uh, things happen that that, that triggers uh, all kinds of emotions on both sides of it mm-hmm. in police officer and and uh, and, and that person but. The thing is, uh, what Mayor Giuliani did, and uh, I I actually knew him uh, and worked with him in in the Department of Justice. Right. Um, And uh, that, that broken window policy worked. And uh, I remember uh, I, thinking that New York was ungovernable. I, I thought that uh, Mayor Koch was came closest to being able to handle it until Rudy became mayor, right? And, and the, the crime, uh, the crime statistics went went down uh, downhill dramatically, correct? And so it, it does work, but but the thing is, uh, you know, the, the the human element here that, that's involved uh, really do I, I think it really does put the police in in a in very difficult situation. Very often. So, what's your question? Do you have a
0: question or a statement? I know what you're saying. Well,
3: well, yeah. well the, the, question, the question is: uh, it, uh, the, 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 the author? Uh, you said he says that he, he interviewed and, and he talked with police officers and right. he talked with people in the community. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Jam Jim, he, does he come away with with an understanding of of uh, of you know, really, what, what the dynamics of, of these situations are, or is just, sure. uh, what, what, what do you come out of please, when you do this kind of an intensive investigation? Right. I respect what he did. I respect his position. So, uh, yes, but, uh,
0: yeah, Matt, do you have a response, Tom, for yeah, that? No, sure.
2: I mean, yeah. I, 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 again, one, one of, the, and thank you for, the, for for calling in. I mean. Uh, I, I spoke with a lot of police officers, and I have a tremendous respect for how difficult that job is. I, um, I spent on another, sto- another story in Camden, New Jersey, I spent weeks doing ride-arounds. I know how how uh, dangerous the job is. I know how, how dis- disgusting it can be at times. you got to mm-hmm. reach into pockets. People have needles. People, you know, they bite. You know, they vomit in the back of your squad car. It's a, it's a tough, mm-hmm. tough job. You don't get paid a lot of money to do it. Not every, people aren't patting you on the back all the time for doing it either. Mm. And you got to go to these neighborhoods, and and sometimes you got to deal with people who are un, you know unreasonable, and it's it's a very very difficult thing for for somebody to be thrust in the middle of. Um, and I think what happened in this particular situation uh, is is that you had. Maybe some young officers who who were asked to do something that was, um, you know, they, they were they were put in an untenable situation uh, because they had they they probably had to take him in, but he probably wasn't selling cigarettes at that moment. He's a big guy. Uh, they don't know him, and you know, I think they're. There were different interpretations of how that could have been handled. I mean, I, I talked to other police officers who said if they had spoken to him in a different way, he might have gotten into the car. Um, but it didn't happen that way, and it all went sideways, and that's mm-hmm. unfortunate. Um, and I certainly sympathize with the police officers. I, I I think it's the policy, though. I mean, I I honestly do. I think, I think, um, you know, it, it, the the. the, the a lot of these officers get put in a position where they ha- where they have to pick up people for, for really really minor things, and that engenders a lot of hostility, and then put, and then creates a lot of these situations.
0: Right, uh, Tom. Thanks for your question. and statement also. Let's see. Probably go on already. Uh, okay. Uh, what, what Tom was saying, uh, Matt, the quality of life. Uh, I could just tell you this. I, I hate to talk about myself, but sometimes I get trapped. Sure. I was chief of the sheriff's department, and uh, completely different from the, where I came from, 90 uh, uh, percent, you know, 90 percent in the sheriff's department in the city of New York is civil, and there is 10 percent criminal. Uh, when Rudy Giuliani, who were the caller referred to with the quality of life changed, crime did drop down, more tourism, tourists came to, to New York, he did do that. People were not afraid to ride the subways, they weren't afraid of traveling on the streets or riding uh, you know, going through apartment building. That did change, because I, I was there, and I've seen it, and, and I felt it. Uh, my guys, the sheriff's department, was responsible for closing all those smut places on Times Square. Are you you're familiar mm-hmm. with that? They were selling... Right in their window, That was showing you drug uh, paraphernalia. Uh, anyway, uh, Rudy closed those places down, and I could tell you what we found in those stores. I could tell you one incident with Rudy, and uh, where... The storekeepers, somehow they, they knew we were going to raid their place the next day and close it down in Times Square. Uh, those places don't exist. They do it low-key now, with when Rudy was the mayor. My captain came to me says, hey, chief, one of these stores here, they have a lock on the door. It's not on the court. The lock that he had changed from the day before it was in addition to what we had on the uh, the warrant. And Rudy was standing with me on the corner, and I, and he says, "What do we do, Chief?" And know what I said, kick the effing door in, mm. and Rudy walked away. Oh boy, I could see you were a city detective, but anyway. But what we found in that place, I am telling you, we found child porn. It would make you throw up. You know the things right. that were in that place. There was there were narcotics in there. There were. Uh, M&S, all that stuff in there. Rudy did that. That's back, by the way, now since, the, since we, uh, Rudy's not the mayor anymore. So the quality of life and the broken windows that you were uh, talking about, it, it, it does work, the broken window policy. By the way, we got Richie on the line. Richie, question or statement for, for Matt Tahibbe?
1: Yes, first of all, great interview, Matt. I agree with a lot of things that you say, or said, I should say. Mm-hmm. But, um, well, when it talks about getting stopped, I'm white. I grew up on the Lower East Side, as may call it, the Lower East Side, high <laughs> Prime area. It was an outfit called the Tactical Patrol Force, TPF. I would walk two, three blocks. They'd stop me. Where are you going? You carrying anything on you? They'd tap me down, and then I say, okay, and I continue on. I go two more blocks. Two more cops stopped me. This would happen almost every day. What did I do? I stopped. Yes, officer. What would you like? I tell him. That's it. I say, well, officer, I just got stopped by the other cops. He says, well, now you're getting stopped by me. Let me see your identification. And he would tap me down also. So the main thing is you have to comply regardless of your color, in my opinion. Now, the other thing is, Matt, Lou Talano asked you, if you were one of the officers at the time of occurrence with Eric Garner, and you were there, you never answered the question, what would you do if you were part of
2: that team? Well, I, 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 I couldn't arrest him if I didn't see him selling a cigarette.
1: No, no, <laughs> so. no, no. You were told
2: by your, by your boss or
1: your sergeant, whoever it is, to clear up the situation, and you then, went up to him and he got fresh with you or pushed you or did right, something how, stupid how, how, how what would you arrest do him
2: if he's not doing anything that's the problem
1: uh, no but that that's that's not the question
2: it is the is you're a police
1: officer no you're a police officer you're mm-hmm. told what would you tell your
2: sergeant i tell him i couldn't arrest him he wasn't doing anything well
1: one thing is very good that you never took the police test but i like you anyway i
2: just want you <laughs> to know that okay. i well, like I mean, you look, anyway I, I i i get what you're saying and i and i and i and i i talked to police officers who, who told me the same thing they said look you, you you get told by your lieutenant when you come into the station that you got to clear up a condition on a corner you got to come back with a number or else you're in trouble and but I, well, and i get uh, that but you, if you the see, guy's Matt, not doing anything, what are you, you going to do? But,
1: but I'm just going to say this, Matt. When they talk about summons, quotas, cops have quotas, mm. you need a quota if you stand on the corner of any place. You're going to see somebody doing something wrong. Your job is to keep the city safe, keep the pedestrians safe. Person goes to a red light, you stop them. You don't care what color they are. You're going to stop them because they went to a red light. They made it, they did something wrong. That's not a quota that you have to bring in so many or arrest so many people until we get to keep the
0: uh, safe. Richard, But Richard Matt is saying that it's, it's uh, more frequently happens than, uh, in and uh, black. Yeah, I mean, let not
2: it out. It's yeah. it's you know between eighty and ninety percent of, of those quality of life arrests have been black and Hispanic people since well, the, that's the inception the of that program. In.
1: If you go to a quality of life in, in another area, in, in a uh, uh, in Brook- borough park in Brooklyn, a Jewish area, or you go into an Italian area, you're going to still have something going on. Then I don't believe a cop picks on somebody because of their skin, only if they're in that area or because they're looking for somebody with that description. I mean, as far as I could see, because like I said, I got stopped many times by cops, and I listened to them. First thing I did, yes, and, and I felt I'm right. But the first thing is I comply Whatever they say Give them my identification Talk to them If it's in a car Whatever it is I always believe You have to act nice With a cop, of What color you are What religion you are and, and anyway That's my opinion And I just want you to know You did a terrific job And I'm going to buy your book Because I enjoy What you had to say <laughs> Thanks Well thank Thanks. you very much Thanks, I appreciate
0: All right. it By the other By, by uh, Not only Richard The other guests, The other books Correct me if I'm wrong uh, Matt Taheeby The Divide Griftopia, uh, The Great Derangement, yep. and then Insane Clown President, which I get a check out of that title, you know. And I, I think that's it. You, you know, that's pretty much of the books that you've written.
2: Yeah, right? I've got a few others, but they're not—they're oh. not really in print anymore, so it's okay. But, uh, okay. but Lou, it's been a pleasure. I really appreciate it, Right. Uh, and uh, thank you for having me on
0: the show. Okay, thank you, Mike. Uh, <laughs> thanks, and hopefully, we'll hope, as they say. Mabuhai You know what that means oh, I yeah, hope. That's
2: Mabuhai yeah, Mabuhai
0: Mabuhai, <laughs> Mabuhai Matt Okay. Sorry, take care now Thank you Happy New Year by the way To you and your family You too you Right too. Thank Thanks. you Bye-bye. Matt. Uh, that was an interesting uh, Interesting uh, guest. I have the guy I, You know Just uh, He was doing what he thought And he is uh, I was going to ask him A few other things But I didn't want to Touch on it But uh, uh, We got nine uh, more minutes But I just wanted to say this Uh Matt went to Russia for some reason. I don't know why. He spent some time in uh, that TV in Russia. And my understanding was he came back sort of liberal. I, I, I would think he'd be the opposite. But he spent some time in, in Russia. If he stayed on for the hour, I was going to ask him about that. Uh, I thought if he, if he was more liberal, which I thought he might have been, but he's not, you know. Uh, he happens to be, he, 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 in the book, he put in what he believes. And he did a great job, by the way, in uh, putting the book together from his perspective, by the way. So, obviously, you have a different opinion. Uh, like the other two callers, Tom and Rich, they're talking about law enforcement. They have a different feeling. Uh, Matt did not walk in their shoes, although he tried to get a great insight. On and he did say well, he, he knows how uh, how tough the job is to be uh, a police officer anywhere in the country. By the way, so uh, it's a great book. Uh, I would recommend buying it, even though. It sort of indicates that the cops screwed up, but I, I do want to just mention this: that Comstat meeting is not a meeting of a bunch bunch of just a bunch of cops who decide what they're going to do. Comstat is a meeting of high-ranking police officials, probably lieutenant and above. I would think, you know, I know it's all high-ranking officers, and usually uh, they get their direction from the police commissioner uh, uh, and also the mayor's office. So and then they they talk about different issues, different concerns in, in different parts of the uh, of the city in the five boroughs. And in this case, it happened to be uh, Staten Island Bay Street, which is, is which is a street uh, that has a lot of stores, a lot of people selling things. And and I do have to say, this, Gardner's Eric Gardner's presence. Did intimidate a lot of the customers Now they're not going to tell you that A lot of the storekeepers The poor guy died He died not as a result Of I didn't get into that uh, just so, this uh, Illegal choke hold issue uh, I don't know why I didn't But we were talking about other things uh, You know uh, They talk about Eric Gardner died from an illegal Choke hold. Well let me say this You know Uh if you can say, which is the title of the book, which I'm sorry I didn't get out to Matt Hevia, I'm hoping he's listening uh, you know, online to what I have to say now. If you can say, I can't breathe. You're not choking, by the way. I worked on a lot of homicides. Uh, if you're be, if you're strangled, you die by asphyxiation or because you were strangled. You can't say anything. You can't speak. You can't breathe. You can't even say I can't breathe. So. If someone says, I can't breathe, they can still kick you, bite you, punch you. If they can say, I can't breathe, they're functioning. I'll give you a good example. toughest guys out there in the ring are the MMA fighters. When they're being choked out, do they say, I give up, I can't breathe? They can't speak. They tap. They tap out because they can't speak. So... uh, you know, I, I did. I worked on homicides. If you're being strangled, you're being strangled. You're being choked out. You're fighting for air. You cannot say I can't breathe. If you say I, I can't breathe, you're functioning. You're not dying. You're functioning. So uh, I'm sorry, and uh, maybe I'll text him. But I, I know I'm going to talk to him uh, again, uh, Matt Tahibi So to say you're telling the police officers you're dying or you're choking. Because you say, I can't breathe, is a fallacy. You can't speak. You can't speak. You can't talk if you're being choked out like the MMA fighters. You know, these guys are in great shape. They would tell you, I can't breathe. You you know, you're killing me. They tap you. They have to tap you. you know? So by the title of the book, you know, I'm sorry he's not here to correct me, is a fallacy saying I can't breathe because you're being choked to death. If you're being choked to death, you can't speak. I wanted to clear that up. I had similar cases where people died by strangulation. And I did watch the autopsies being done on them, by the way, in Bellevue Hospital in the morgue. Uh, you know, so the title in itself is false. You know, uh, illegal chokeholds. What is a illegal chokehold and what is an illegal so-called. If you if you got a guy six foot three or four, three hundred pounds. You're five feet seven, and they. By the way, that's tall today in the police world. I'm going to get yelled at. But anyway, that is tall in the police world today because you have cops five feet two. So uh, let's take an average cop five foot eight, maybe five foot nine, five foot ten, five foot eleven. The guy six foot four, three hundred pounds plus. You don't know. You really don't know. How would you know? If he's diabetic, that's high blood pressure, you know, or we How do you know that? You know, the guy's resisting arrest, You do what you have to do. They didn't shoot the guy. They brought him down to the ground. And, the, you know, for a guy, I think the cop was 5'7", 160 pounds. Uh, but to bring this big guy down, you had to get him in, in a choke, bring him down, a choke hold. But he's saying, I can't breathe. That means he's not dying. I just wanted to clear that one issue up. And that's coming from experience. You know. But I gotta say this, the uh Matt tahibi uh you know, I, he gave it a fair shake. Uh you know, he he does sort of believe that uh the African Americans or, or minorities are being uh you know you know, sort of more taken advantage by police officers. But again, New York City police officers today is the most diverse police department in the in the country, interesting uh, you know uh, I just saw just recently that in the police department, you have a Muslim organization, a Muslim society, and then you have a Russian society in the police office in the uh, police department, and they 've always had pretty much Asian jade, which is Asians and you had the Latinos and the hispanics the uh, Colombian, the Italians and the, the emeralds uh, and, you know and the shop, room, the shop room, I hope I pronounced that right, Richard would get mad at me, the shoproom society, which is Jewish, but now you have all these different diverse groups within the police department. That is an indication that it's impossible, I have to say this, for a cop today, uh, you, you know, that to, to lock up people based on ethnic, religious, or color. I don't believe it. I didn't believe it in my time, Obviously, because I've worked with, you know, I'm not going to use the cliche, oh, my neighbor, they door is black, you know. I, I laugh when someone says that, you know. or I, I know, uh, you know, a black person. But I do have to say this. I work closely with African-American police officers. I was uh, I was honored to get the Medal of Honor with a police officer, the late Warren Forward, who was shot uh and him and I and his partner and my partner were making a raid. And where we're we making the raid, believe it or not, Pink Houses, which became like a high profile place in Brooklyn. And um uh, it was the black police officer that got shot. And who shot him? Again, it was not a Polish guy from Brownsville. It was a, it was a black drug dealer. I have to say that because we're dealing in that area. Who are you going to lock up? Who are the drug dealers? I mean, if you, if you go to Bensonhurst or Bay Ridge, yeah, you, you probably got Italian or white drug dealers, you know. But if you go in the minority area, this is, this is what it is. So to say cops, you know, uh, pick on people because they're racist, don't believe it. I don't know, I, I, because I was there, didn't see it. Oh, yeah, you kid around in the locker room, you say it back and forth. But there's an old saying, on, I know, in our squad room uh, we're all blue and we all bleed red. Uh, you know, anyway, uh, that's my story, and I'll stick to it. All right. Uh, again, I want to thank my guest, uh, Matt Taibbi, and his book, I, I Can't Breathe. I want to wish everyone a happy new year, healthy and happy new year. And by the way, I'll see you next year. Thanks for listening to Streetwise. This is Lou Tolano, and I'll catch you later.
1: You've been listening to Streetwise on the station that serves your community, WGBB AM 1240.